When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another DNVR Avalanche season preview video. This is the big one. We're talking about all of the Avalanche forwards. A lot of guys to talk about. A lot of new guys, a lot of returning guys, a lot of big guys, a lot of small guys. A little bit of everything. The conversation starts, though, with the battle for the 4C spot. I think we've all kind of come to our conclusion at this point in the preseason that it's probably Freddie Olofsson that is getting first crack at that job. Yes. Is he ready? Yeah. Okay. It's not Peter Holland. It's not Peter Holland. Just checking. <laughs> but I think if you're if you're him, it's a dream job. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is. It, it is an honor to be behind those quality centers and to, to bring that element of, you know, being trusted to be the fourth line guy. We all know that a fourth line's very important if you want to go deep in the playoffs and just look at Vegas last year. So... I do believe he's ready for it. I do believe it was a great pickup, and I do believe they had targeted him obviously beforehand by going to get him. And you know, I, I think that's his job to lose right now. I would agree. And this isn't to take anything away. I have zero doubt Ben Myers will get into plenty of games this year. Yep. Megan, what's it going to take for either of these guys to earn a full-time spot in the NHL? Building trust with Jared Bednar specifically, okay. and that's. Not the easiest thing to do. It, it is not. It took Logan O'Connor even. <laughs> He's been hurt before. <laughs> time. <laughs> He's been hurt before. It, it even took Logan O'Connor. Like, Logan O'Connor's ascension to the NHL and becoming a full-time NHL player required building trust over time. And it, it meant to not getting a full NHL-length season out the gate. And so I think Freddie Olofsson is in similar territory because I think the responsibilities of the fourth-line center are even heightened and the entirety of the fourth line is intended to play very responsibly and so there's very little room for mistakes to be made i think there's going to be some allowances granted because freddie olafson is also just joining the avs learning a little bit more about how they like to play i think he's a very natural fit for how colorado wants to play but there is going to be a learning curve too and how they like to defend is going to be something that he's going to especially have to incorporate in his game um, pretty immediately is where I'm going with this. And so the sooner he can do that and also find ways, this feels like a very tall order, but and also find ways to have an impact shift by shift a variety of different ways because he is going to be counted on likely on the penalty kill. It yeah. might not be the primary guy. I don't suspect he'll be like a primary penalty kill forward that is utilized there, but he, he has to be able to get reps in there. He has to be reliable on that fourth line with an O'Connor and a Cogliano type. And it's it's a little bit of a tall order, but the trust that he built with Dallas last year is why I think the Avs targeted him the way that they did. He was the next man up when Jamie Benn was suspended in the Vegas-Dallas series for a reason. And that's why I think his path to getting here has followed the archetype of the Logan O'Connor path. In, in there, so, there are a lot of similarities between these two players, and he's just going to have to kind of look to his line mates, honestly, as role models in what he needs to be to stick in the NHL. And the other guy who I'm sure will get time in that spot, who does Ben Myers have to pay to get an assist in the NHL? <laughs> What's it going to take for him to play with someone that can finish a play? <laughs> his eyes. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me because I love Ben Myers. <laughs> he is the Ben Myers guy. Yeah, I mean, I think with Myers, it's just... Uh, the, some of it is he's been snake bit, but uh, the reason we're not having a bigger Ben Myers conversation is because he's lost his preseason battle to Frederick Olofsson. Yep. I just it's just uh, true. Yeah. I just think that that's where it is, is he'll, he'll play for the abs at some point this year, but last year was a hard year for him to learn on the fly. And with a constant rotating cast of guys around him, I think the consistency in theory, the consistency of the lineup this year should help. But, I mean, Ben Myers has to help Ben Myers. You yep. know, he's got to play good, smart, quality hockey. And we haven't seen enough of that from him. He was a guy that 
As a fourth liner last year, he was effective in that he didn't hurt you very much. You were fine that way, but you didn't get a ton out of him offensively. And, you know, they're... Well, and look at how last season ended, right? A bottom six in that playoff series that scored zero goals. Yeah. And did make some mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I think to answer the question, too, is if I'm Myers or Olofsson, I look at Cogliano. You know, because consistency is longevity in this game. I said that the other day. I'll say it again. So in all three zones, I think Myers needs to be more consistent with his habits, more consistent with, and that's how he's going to get more offense. You know what I mean? And he's probably gun-shy a little bit, right? You're on the fourth line. You don't play that much. You don't want to get scored on. Therefore, it takes away from, but you have to figure out a way to put it all together. And, and I think that's where he's lacking, and I think that's where all of a sudden got a little bit of a leg ahead of all on that. Yeah, and you ask, how do you build trust? That's it. It's consistency. That's uh, for uh, a coaching staff is looking for guys that they they will settle. And we see this across the entire league. Every coaching staff does this. They will take guys who are not nearly uh, potentially as good as other guys if they know what they're going to get every night. They say, okay, yeah, yeah, this guy's not going to score 15 goals this year or anything like that, but... I know exactly what I'm getting out of it, and that's entire. That's Colorado's. That's that's what Logan O'Connor has done. It's Andrew Cogliano's made an entire career of it. Yep. Uh, his his transition is a, into a, a a hard fourth line guy at this stage of his career is entirely because coaches understand what they will get out of him, and that's what Frederick Olofsson and Ben Myers both strive for. Is that's how you earn that trust? A day in, day out. You know, you do the same thing in practice. You do the same thing in games. You don't hurt the team. Uh, oh. oh, no, go ahead. And this is where last year was tough for Ben Myers and where I have sympathy for him. He goes down to the American League and almost immediately gets hurt. And so building traction last year in his first full pro season was difficult to do. And that's what he needs to do then in this year. Whether he's getting games in Loveland or up with the Avalanche, he has to find a way to make an impact, especially in Loveland. And he started to at the American League level at the end of last year because goal scoring and production wasn't an issue at the college level for him. And he started to find the finishing touch at the American League level. He just needs to start putting these pieces together at the National League level. And that's just the next step. And hopefully with a full runway ahead of him, he can start adding these building blocks because he's pretty good in the faceoff circle. He became more responsible away from the puck. That was something he focused on very specifically at the American League level. If he can add that final building block of the finishing touch at the National League level, that is where he could separate from Freddie Olofsson for yep. that fourth-line centerman job. Yep. Whichever one of them is able to produce more effectively will eventually be the one who earns that job. I do believe that. And the guy that brings together the two guys on that are flanking him. Yep. And I do want to get to the rest of the starting lineup, but first I want to get to Curtis McDermott. The Avs have been very vocal about him being a forward specifically this year. Curtis McDermott, though, the Avs were very vocal about him being a forward this season. Eric, I, we know you're the McDermott guy. We know you're all about all the things he brings. That isn't necessarily the actual hockey skill. Do you expect him to play half the season for yeah, Colorado I, this yeah, year? Yeah, I do. I, I think what you see is what you get right now in those numbers right there. I think you're going to see him play. Well, half the games, and I do believe, and again, we'll all argue it to death, he does bring an element that nobody else in that 23-man roster brings. And he brings, again, I get flack for the word feeling, but he, he brings something where Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, yes, I am not Neanderthal or whatever you want to call that, like craziness of back then. And I know this is a different hockey game today than it was 10, 15 years ago. And I love it because the skill is so high, and it's awesome to watch the hockey right now. But there's still an element of intimidation out there, and I still believe that the big fella brings something there. He brings the room together. You just have to watch day in and day out of practice. There is something that he brings there. And again, it's different than other guys, and I think he's the lone soldier on that element that he brings. He also brings the unique element of being the only guy on the roster that doesn't belong in the NHL. <laughs> In terms of what he does on the ice. I agree with AJ on that one. Just in terms of as purely as a hockey player. Yep. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I'll move on. <laughs> we can we can leave it there. We can. Those are the two sides of the Curtis McDermott conversation so we've I had love many it. times. I'll, I'll, I'll add one small thing. Go for it. It's building off of what Eric is saying in 
looking at Mileswood and Ross Colton as something of pests on the ice, I do wonder if they can feel more comfortable to oh. be 100% versions of themselves oh, with do. Curtis McDermott in you the do, lineup. trust me. <laughs> there is a big difference. Well, pretty confident he's going to be on the Avs roster this year, so they can feel that comfortability if that's what they're looking for. Guys that are actually going to be in the lineup on opening night, though, Andrew Cogliano, he's been in the no-contact jersey all preseason, but he sure isn't playing like it. Uh, a known quantity at this point. I do think there is a conversation about how his play really did take a bit of a downturn last season, even if he was scoring goals. They just need him to show up and be a stable veteran on that bottom line, right? You're not asking a ton out of this guy. Yeah, I mean, the this is a guy where I do buy the intangible conversation. Um, he's loved in that room and a, and a leader in that room, not just loved, but he is loved as specifically as a leader. And I said this last year, I'll say it again this year. I don't care what he does during the regular season. It's not why he's here. Yep. Does not matter to me. I don't care what his on ice impacts are. I would like for him to take less backbreaking penalties in big game situations yeah. because we saw way too much of that last season where wasn't that he took a ton of penalties. It was that, boy, they all felt real bad when they happened. Oh. And so, like, fine. He's, he's not here for any of that. He, he could have zero points in 82 games, and it's just not why he's here. It would be, it's entirely because when the postseason started two years ago, he was a monster. He's here because of that, and he's here because of the leadership. He's here because he is consistent. He's reliable. Yeah. He fights through injury. He's a warrior. He's got that toughness. He, he, he's got the, the, the desire to win day in, day out. He's a, he's a pro's pro, you know, understands what to, what to bring to the rink every day. He's an example for everybody in the organization to try and follow. All of the, all of the good things that you say about Andrew Cogliano, it, he just, you know, a, a high-end human being at this point, not a great NHL player. But again, that's just not why he's here. He can help you enough. He's a good penalty yep. kill guy. And he's got the speed still um, to, to be functional in the NHL. He's he's fine. He's a fourth-line guy. He's probably a low-end fourth-line guy right now, but he's so – the intangibles on him are so high that it's fine. You you live with it. The other side, I, I you guys can add more to Cogliano if you want. I just think that conversation is pretty straightforward at this point. Logan O'Connor on the other wing of that fourth line – Pretty established as a bottom six NHL forward at this point in his career. Is the opportunity for LOC this year the fact that he hopefully won't have to play over his head, assuming a bit more health for Colorado this year? Absolutely, because we talk about how consistency helps every one of these players and how they didn't have the benefit of that last year. And that was true of the fourth line and a fourth line that LOC, it's the role that he's suited to play for a reason. And I think he's stepping into a role similar to that of Andrew Cogliano. And that's where I think he takes that step forward is being something of a teacher to young players that are coming up through the ranks and an extension of the Nathan McKinnons and the Andrew Coglianos and setting the standard for what an NHL player needs to do to stick in a lineup. And that's where the conversations about some of these forwards we're talking about, the Riley Tufties. Realistically, if you want to stick in an NHL lineup, this is this applies to Freddie Olsen and Bob Myers too, you have to play to the level of Logan O'Connor. And that means matching yep. the intensity, the energy, and the consistency of him. And that's where I think he is solid. Obviously, you want to see the production take another step. But in seeing him play a fourth-line role that looks right now to be a true fourth-line role, I think that's more feasible for him this year than it was last year because it was in flux so much. His line mates were not consistent. This mm -hmm. isn't to demerit Curtis McDermott, but that was at times who he was anchored to. And production is going to get lost in that way. And having true NHL forwards alongside him is only going to help him to take a step forward because as far as the effort level that he brings every game, it's always there. I never doubt that. And I think that he has an opportunity to take that kind of a step forward this year i think ellos logan is a perfect fit for this lineup you know we all know once all the puzzle pieces of puzzles are there he's a perfect fit right there in that spot and i think he's perfect for bednar he's fast he's tenacious so if you mix that with cogliano smaller pieces of the puzzle 
but very important ones. It's I love Megan's point about LOC being the goal point you want to be at to play in the NHL. AJ, I know you talk about this a lot. I don't care what line you're playing on. If you're a forward in the NHL, you need to be able to score points. Yeah. And LOC is a guy who will give you 20-plus points a year. It's not going to blow you away. Sure, at times he has some finishing ability that lacks a little bit of something you'd like to see, but he will still hit that baseline of production that makes you an NHL player, and then you get the penalty killing. You get the wrecking ball type of play style that he has, yep. and that's how you carve out a role in the NHL. Well, and he posts. He's there every day. Yep. You know, he's he's available on a regular basis, and the thing about LOC, he's... For a fourth-line guy, he's a high-end defensive wing. Yep. Very, very little bad happens against the Avalanche when he's out there. He's not a very good offensive player, but he's good enough. That's fine. Yeah. He's Plus, fine. he's the nicest guy in the room. I was going to say he's a great <laughs> kid. He's a great it's, kid. I agree. It's a lot more telling when Megan says doesn't say somebody's the nicest guy in the room. Those are the guys that you put eyes on. What's happening here? They're just all in the room by themselves. So they're by default the nicest yeah. guy in that room. So <laughs> well, and it's not like she's ever going to say a bad thing about a Pio. That's so true. true. That's a, that'd be a tough angle to find right there. Uh, let's move on to the new guys. The third line. An entire new line yeah, of new guys. Three guys that were not playing for the Colorado Avalanche last year. Start on the wing with Miles Wood. I think this is probably the guy that expectations are the lowest for of these new guys. And that's not a knock on him or anything. It's just the reality of who he is as a player. Another guy in some ways similar to Logan O'Connor. Skate real fast, run into a bunch of stuff, cause a bunch of chaos, but is coming in to add a little bit more of that to the Avs bottom six and a third line. When you're looking at Miles Wood, how easy should this transition be for him to fit it in Colorado? Is there going to be some work to do there, or is this a drop-in, easy fit? This is one of the easiest, most natural transitions that you'll see of a free agent and a fit with a new team. Um, if he's not going to be in New Jersey, him being in Colorado is the the next best. the closest yep. stylistic match that you could possibly ask for. Um, it'll be extremely easy. They want to play fast. They, they want Miles Wood to just be Miles Wood. They're not going to ask him to do a single thing different. He's fast. I mean, you're going to see him if you go to a game at ball arena he pops at you he's just he flies out there or if you're watching on tv you're gonna see him through the screen he's reckless at times just all over the place you're like whoa and that's what he brings and that's what the avalanche love about his game that's why they went and got him and gave him that six-year deal i think like aj said he's a perfect fit and i think something that was missing a little bit last year especially with the injuries you know he's gonna be a big factor i, I believe for the avalanche if he ends up on that third line there They've really set him up for success, too, in who, even not knowing if it's officially <coughs> Ross Colton and Tomas Tatar. It's going to be some combination, though, of players that can only make him better. And I think that's just another reason why I expect a good year ahead for Miles Wood, a step forward from where he was last year, just because he is a really good supporting cast. It's... Uh, look, I think a lot of it does come with those guys that he's going to get to play next to. You're talking about a guy in Ross Colton who has a 20-goal season under his belt. You're talking about a guy, Tomas Tatar, who's been a 20-goal scorer for most of his career at a 48-point season last year. He's going to get the opportunity to play with that offensive talent on a third line. If we're being honest, the Avs' third line should be the better third line going up against most teams' third lines in the NHL this year. To be honest, when Nikolai Kovalenko comes across at the end of the year, Miles Wood is probably on that chopping block. On the, the odd man and out there, yeah. Not, not, nothing against Andrew Cogliano, but your team would probably be best fit if yep. it's Miles Wood and, and Logan O'Connor opposite of each other. With, with whoever's a, with a, in the middle. Yeah, yeah. with the guy in the middle. I mean, maybe it's Cogliano, I don't know. <laughs> but that's probably like just to, just we're, we're talking about Miles Wood is like, oh, he's going to be a third line and Logan O'Connor. The, there was one point difference between those two players last year. So... You know, those are, they're very, very similar, very comparable guys. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly with that take. And you're putting Tomas Tatar on the other side of, maybe it ends up being Kovalenko, whatever. With Tatar, is this a, a versatility guy for Colorado? Is this a, hey, we can move him up and down the lineup on these wings. He can fill in and has enough offensive punch to play on a second line if we want him to. 
We'd like him on the third line. What's his fit here? How does he, what puzzle piece does he become? I guess I should ask. I mean, the way I use him is he's a jack of all trades. You, you, you can use him anywhere. You can use him on the par, but you can use him on the first line if you have to one night or two nights. He's, he's a serviceable guy. And he's a very smart, intelligent hockey player. I go back, I hate to give the Red Wings credit. I do, mm -hmm. I don't like it. But they draft over, I'm talking about like 15 years ago, they drafted high IQ hockey players. And a lot of those players ended up playing for a long time in the NHL. And Thomas Tatar is one of those guys. Um, again, I do believe he's a perfect fit for here. He's a secondary role guy. He's not a primary role guy. He can, like I just said, if it's for a few games, but he's a secondary guy. I think he's going to thrive. And like you said, you're playing against other third lines, but you're also playing against fifth and sixth Ds. And I think these guys, him, Colton, and let's say it's Wood, are going to be able to feast on those guys around the league. With Tatar specifically, what are the expectations for him in Colorado? He had a 48-point year in New Jersey. He might not have as much opportunity to move up in Colorado's lineup depending on how other players perform like a Jonathan Druin do the Avs want half a point per game out of this guy or can they live with it if it's a 35 point season at a million and a half you can live with it but it it would be below your expectations yeah okay just given the track record and how long it is and who you know but also like yeah he's 32 you know like yeah. you there will be decline from this guy at some point and uh, yeah, it's fine. Like, you could live with it. It's fine. You know, you if it's like 10 goals, you're probably pretty disappointing because he's sure. a shoot-first yeah. guy. You want him to score. Yeah, um, and you brought him in to be a, a second power play option as well. You would like you would like to see him hang around in that 40-point range, that 2020, um, kind of where he was last year with, with New Jersey. If it's maybe a little less than that, that's fine. It's a one-year deal for him. It's important for him to sort yeah, of capitalize on the boost that a lot of forwards coming to Colorado newly seem to benefit from. Evan Rodriguez, eventually Val Nachushkin gets to experience that Nazem Kadri. So, like, hopefully he has a similar effect uh, in coming to this forward group specifically. Uh, look, if uh, he had a 48-point season last year and he gets the Avs scoring bump... The Avs are winning the cup at that point. <laughs> if, if Thomas Tatar becomes a 60-point dude in Colorado, watch out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I want to talk about a guy who I do think the Avs might be expecting a little bit of a bump from in production in Ross Colton. Now, I don't know how that role develops over the year. There's a world where he does get a significant amount of time on the Avs' second line, depending on how things shake out. But Colton down the middle on that third line, this is a guy they specifically targeted to improve that depth scoring, right? Yeah. I mean, I think what Colton has been brought in to do is to use a Tampa Bay example, similar to what Blake Coleman was brought in to do to Tampa Bay a couple of years ago is really bring uh, an element, a, a competitive but skilled element to a bottom six. And if that guy has to play up in a lineup, he can. But Ross Colton is your 3C. Um, this is no offense to Alex Newhook, of course, but as as what they are as players today, today in this yeah. moment, Ross Colton is a much better fit for what the Avalanche need and, and want out of that third third line center job. He's got a great shot. He's a good goal scorer, but he's, he's a bull. Uh, he's very physical, and uh, he's a go-to-the-front-of-the-net, meat-and-potatoes, very straightforward kind of guy. Uh, with enough skill to to play up in a lineup. And if he does end up getting a shot at 2C this year, it's maybe a little bit of a glimpse that the Avs wouldn't mind getting at some point to see that if he could do... your deal's there for a reason. Exactly, yeah. to see if he could do that job and they could get a financial break at 2C over the next handful, over, over the life of that four-year deal. So, uh, and, and Ross Colton, for my money, Ross Colton has a chance to be the guy that... We all look back a year from now, league wide, and say this was the steal of the summer. Yep, because a second his, round pick for that guy. His his fit, his competitiveness, his goal scoring ability, all these things. This this could be a guy. Ross Colton could be a guy that you know greatly outshines the production that he had last year. Um, just just and and the consistency of his role. You know, he moved around in the Tampa Bay lineup a lot. And that consistency of role could be really useful for Ross Colton 
because he's he's so important for them. And he's going to be surrounded by these other guys we've been talking about. Perhaps more than any of the new additions, his utility is going to extract max value from him because he can be used in all situations. They're already putting him on power play, penalty kill, and he's likely going to move up in the lineup at points just on nights where maybe someone in that top six needs a little bit of a break. And so for that reason, too, they have a future plan for him in Colorado. He's another example from our pod from earlier today that will not have been recorded today (laughs) where we talked about he was handpicked by Colorado for a reason. They're extracting max value from him. They have expectations. Here's what I like about him. He's he's not a silver spooner. Nothing's been fed to him. Everything's been earned in his career. You know, goes to to UVM, right? Before that was USHL, right? Prep school, USHL, UVM. Goes to the American League, which is, in my book, an important factor in your development. Spends a couple years down there, right? Ends up to Tampa, wins the cup there. Obviously, secondary, third-tier guy. Uh, Now this is his opportunity. And when we talk about tough, like Curtis McDermott's tough. He's tough. Like, he's he's fighting tough. He's feared around the league for that part. But Ross Colton's tough. What I mean by that is every face-off, you know you're going to get whacked on the shins. Or you you got to be ready to out-compete him or you, you're going to have a tough shift. He's got that blue-collar mentality, but he's got the skill to go with it. And I do believe he knows where he comes from. He knows when he gets to the rink every day. He goes out there, and he's got to go and get what he deserves from the coaching staff. And, and I think he is going to be... A fan favorite. I do believe that. I think everybody's going to love this guy. And I think that he's ready for the challenge and he's ready to get on a bigger role than he had in Tampa. I, I think it's interesting that we're having conversations about maybe Ross Colton is a second line player in the future at some maybe. point. There are not a lot of top six guys in the NHL that will openly admit to you, yeah, there were days where I wasn't sure I was ever going to make it into the NHL. And, and that's where Ross Colton's hard work is coming from, I, I think, a lot of the time, is he's been through all of those battles. Well, and potential to be a guy that solves problems that we, don't, we aren't entirely sure exist at the moment. Sure. You know, we don't, we don't look at Colorado's PK unit right now and say, oh, that's a huge problem. But, but you need center. Yeah. We do look at center. Uh, we certainly look at the face-off guy on yeah. a PK and say, who's going to do it? You don't think that Ryan Johansson's going to do it. <laughs> Nathan McKinnon's not doing it. <laughs> Frederick Olofsson, the one weakness of him as a 4C is that part of his selling point is his versatility, but that also means he plays a lot of time not at a center. A lot of not taking face-offs. Exactly, and there, ben, yeah. Myers, ben Myers is, is already a better face-off guy than Olofsson is in that spot. So if Ben Myers is the guy, you probably are more comfortable there. But Ross Colton could just be, he's been a very good face-off player. In his, in, in his couple of years in the NHL. And we know face-offs is one of those things that guys get better at the more experience they get. Him not moving around in the lineup could make him a very good face-off guy and a very important late-game situation step, player. Yeah, And because uh, we saw last year, JT Confer had to do almost all of it. Yep. This year, if he could replace kind of what Nazem Kadri did for them two years ago, strictly in that role... When a face-off skate off the ice. <laughs> yeah, and and not necessarily... Yeah, I know Kadri wasn't like a PK guy, but they need somebody to do that. Yep. Because you love LOC and you love Cogliano and Nichushkin and Lekkonen. That's but a lot of wingers. <laughs> yeah, th- those are all wings. Those are all guys that aren't winning face-offs for you, and you don't want to start a PK going, well, they're going to have the puck. And so Ross Colton becomes an X-factor in that he can do that, but also a second power play unit. Your first line draws a lot of penalties. So when your first line draws a penalty, your second power play unit starts. You want them to have the puck. He can help you in both of those areas. And that's where, that's one of those like, uh, like it's like a small thing, but it's another area where he take he brings a step forward from what they had last season. Not just in Alex Newell, but all the guys that, that vied for those positions last season. Last thing on Colton here, $4 million deal. They say the magic number for the middle of the lineup guys is $100,000 per point. Is anything less than a 40-point year for Colton a disappointment? If he has a 20-goal season, my answer is no. If he has a 20-goal season, he's probably at least getting 35. Yeah, and that's within spitting distance. That's fine for me. Okay. Fair enough. Agreement? I don't even know that I'd be disappointed if he didn't because of the utility of the player. Okay. 
but I would expect it to naturally just be happen there and above that. Truthfully speaking, because of how he's going to be utilized, I don't have any doubt that a 40 point season is within his reach either. Let's move up to the second line, but let's keep it rolling with the new guys. Let's talk about Ryan Johansson. This is an opportunity for Ryan Johansson to probably play with the most talent he's ever had in his career. And I get he won't be playing with McKinnon. Rantanen may be on the first line, maybe on the second line. Yeah. But there are now dudes ahead of him, right? He doesn't yeah. have to be that team's superstar. A lot of conversation to have here. He's been a pretty consistent 50 to 60 point guy in his career. Very early on, there were flashes of more than that. He has some injury problems, obviously was not healthy last year with those numbers you can see. What does he need to do to be successful in Colorado? Really, it's just be the best version of Ryan Johansson. If, if the leadership group can hammer away at the message that he has to raise his game to what the Colorado standard is, which is a level that he's never consistently played at in his NHL career. He's had a good career. He's been a 1C and a 2C on some good teams, but he's never been in the situation that he's in now where he's allowed to just be a guy. Because right now you look at him and you probably say he's arguably the fifth or sixth best player in their top six. He's never been in that spot before. He's always, you know, he was, he was the big hope for Columbus when he broke in. Then he was, he was traded for to be the 1C answer in Nashville for half a decade. And even when he stopped being that option, he was at least a 1B. Yeah. A 1BC, I guess. <laughs> uh, for, for Nashville with Duchesne. And Duchesne spent a lot of time on wing as well yep. because of Johansson. So Ryan Johansson's a good NHL player. And when he stayed healthy, he's been a consistently productive one. The injuries have been a problem, but when they haven't been, he's been good. And Colorado for $4 million and no other, no other assets given up. This is a free dice roll on a guy that you are once again, leaning on your culture to bring out the very best in this guy. And it's the same conversation as Jonathan Duran of he's really playing for his career and he's playing with a freedom that he has not had at this point in his career in terms of expectations. They're higher for Johansson because his role as 2C is a little more important than wing on some line for Jonathan Duran. But with Johansson, this is this a good performance here sets him up to get another big payday and sets him up to potentially win a Stanley Cup. Let's go to our 2C, or two on the couch. <laughs> Rijo. He's going to get power play time. He's going to get a significant amount of minutes, certainly every opportunity to provide that production. Is that enough? Is the offensive production, if it's there, enough? Or do we need to see some rounding out of his defensive side, too? I'm going to jump first, but it's a silver platter, right? This summer, they gave him a silver platter go make the most of it for me it's so simple it's a dream situation if you're ryan johansson you're you're playing a secondary role like aj just said you've never been accustomed to that you're a big guy you're a perfect fit you're going to get your power play time you're not going to play against the top d's on the other side of who you're playing against i think it's very important it's up to him to make sure his game is up to standard of the colorado avalanche and and the culture and i'm not saying it won't be i'm just saying that it is a standard here that's been accustomed to the last couple of years by players coming in. So he's going to have to reform to that to make sure that he plays the right way. And not only to, to get production offensively, but to get wins as a team. And I think that's the big difference. I don't think he's been put in those situations. I think it's up there for him to take. If he takes it, run with it, that it's an awesome, outstanding move by the Avs this summer. Well, and you talk about a silver platter and the way that Colorado likes to execute defensively is very much a team defense strategy that as a centerman he absolutely has heightened responsibility defensively yep. but he also has support in his teammates especially if they are going to be players like Val Nichushkin yep. or Terry Lekkonen whatever combination of that there's really no reason then for the defensive side of his game to wane suffer yeah. suffer <laughs> exactly and so that is why he is being handed a silver platter for that to be an area that is improved upon from where it's coming from one because it is a standard that's been set in colorado though in talking about how he has the support of his teammates it is also a requirement and a standard 
for the entire team to be supportive in the, their team defense efforts. And as a centerman, it only gets heightened. And you talk about the advantage of winning the face-off battle. He's a big part of that. It, it comes down to possession, and that is just another thing that he adds beyond the production. And I think the call-out about freedom, when we talk about Duran, it's going to come up a lot too, is true of Johansson. I see it in what he brings to the power play in the bumper yep. spot already, the versatility. And I think that it has opened a, a level of creativity with a little less pressure that is really going to complement the way that he likes to play. And it's going to overall complement the way that Colorado wants to play as well. The one thing I would add about Johansson that I think will be an easy transition for him in Colorado he played in a Nashville team that played a lot of their offense through their defense. They had a lot of high-end defense, and he understands how to play with a Roman Yossi, with a Matias Ekholm at the time. And he's going to come in, and he's going to see Kale McCarr, Devon Taves do a lot of those similar things, maybe even better than that, and go, okay, I, I can work with these defensive guys that are activating into the play that they run a lot of shots through that way. So I do expect that to transition well especially in a place like a power play where you have Kale McCarr working out up high. Yeah. I want to, I want to see how it goes personality wise more than anything sure. else. Cause he's going from a country club to a wolf pack mm -hmm. and I want to see how he fits in. I want to see how, I want to see how that, that kind of mentality can he attach himself to that? Because I think he's had, I think he was comfortable in Nashville and now he's not going to be comfortable in Colorado because he's going to have Nathan McKinnon barking at him all the time. To you know, he's gonna have Jared Bednar all over his ass to pick it up, to engage, to use his size, to play at a level that we've not consistently seen out of him in his career. I just want to see the effect that that has on him, because that's the kind of thing that it, it it could bring out the absolute best of Ryan Johansson, or it could break him, or it could it could. And if it does not go well, he won't be here next year. Yep. I don't care what his contract is, he won't be here. They will they will they don't they don't have the 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 resources for wasted money. So it's, it's, for him, this is a one-year trial. Do or die in Colorado. Prove you can be part of the solution and you weren't part of the problem in Nashville. Yep. And if he can't do that, then he will be gone. All right. Let's talk about the adult in the room in top six in Arturi Lekkanen. The ultimate adult. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> got to do the hard work up there, right? Got to do all the, all the digging, all the defensive responsibility, all the grinding. Lucky has fit in here incredibly well as yeah. coming in at the trade deadline. Obviously they win the cup, but he shows up last year and has 51 point year in 64 games. It hits a level that no one was sure he was ever going to be in his career. Yeah. Some of that is playing next to McKinnon. Obviously they found great chemistry together. Yeah. I'm sure you'll see more of that at times this year, but can Lecky be the guy, be a Mr. Responsible with no Gabe Landeskog for this year? Can he be a Mr. Fix-It for Colorado? I, a low-end one, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, let's be real. He spent most of his season next to Nathan McKinnon and had 50 points. For like, sure. You're talking about a guy that is not a high-end offensive player, uh, but all the things that he does well puts his team in good situations. He's a he's he should be your sixth best player in the top six. Um, you know his speed, his hard work, all the two way stuff is why he's there. It's to elevate the more talented guys, the more talented offensive guys around him. He he is the guy that improves the level of those around him in that way. His his you know the the hard work and all that stuff. It just it enhances your skill guys, but his skill level in a vacuum is not as high as the guys he'll be around. And he might right, he might outscore Ryan Johansson just because that hard work goes a long way when you're playing next to really good players. And if he ends up next to Nathan McKinnon a lot, he will have that kind of season again. The Avs might need that out of him, depending on how things go with some of these other guys. With Lucky, they've added a good number of offensive weapons. Is there going to be a bit of a, a look at Lecky, maybe less important on a power play this year, more important on that defensive role. Maybe he gets some PK time, whatever it is. And I, we're about to talk about the other winger that we know has a good effective defense, but for Lekkinen, 
what is the most important job for him this this year for Colorado? I'll ask it that way. It feels like such a cop-out to point to the versatility of Lekkonen, but there is a reason that even in these early iterations of the power play, he is still on PP1 now as the net front guy. I think that is a reflection of how they value him. And some of it is, like, even in just the preseason game, he does play a corrective role. He is sort of a Mr. Fix-It, and part of it's because he understands the way that Clara wants to play so well. It was such a natural fit for him that he assimilated so quickly and so easily. Yeah. It's also because he's a smart hockey player. Like, the heavy forechecking presence is such a valuable thing, but even in his own end, there's a reason that, you know, good stick Lecky comes <laughs> to mind, and it, it's not only what he provides in the offensive end when he's, you know, got his stick on the ice to tip in pucks, he's also pretty good defensively. And so it's the utility and the versatility of Lekkonen that I think is his value in the way that he makes an impact for the Avs in the top six. For me, he's like, when I say Sam Girard, or uh, I've talked about that, that he's the... You just take him for granted. I think Lekkonen, you take him for granted. You know, like, as a coaching staff, oh, Lecky's there. You know, he's a patch. Like, I'll, I'll put him there. I'll put him here. I'll put him on the PPI. He can PK. He can play anywhere. Um, I say to youth hockey kids all the time, you want to learn how to play hockey? As a defenseman, watch put a tape of Devontae's, and he does everything right. The, he's my Devontae's up front. Arturi Lekkonen plays the right way. I, there's just no other way to explain it. He does everything right. He does all the little things that are drive coaches crazy if you don't do them right or if you don't do them on a consistent basis. He doesn't to a perfection. That's what separates him with the rest of the league. He's one of the best two-way forwards. He's one of the most coveted. Uh, uh, um, that's the word the French came out of me there, but the most <laughs> sought-after guys in the NHL. Even like a couple of years ago, remember, I think he had four goals at the deadline in Montreal, whatever it was, and then... You know, people, some people are like, oh, my God, a second-round pick for this guy or whatever. That's a steal. That is a steal. This guy's a steal. He plays the right way. He brings something different than what McKinnon brings or, or Rantanen. Obviously, he's not a top-tier guy, but he sure compliments anybody, and he can do it all. He's, he's, a, he's a guy that once he's not in the lineup, and you can ask Bednar last year, he's not in the lineup, you feel it. You're like, oh, boy, lucky he's not here tonight. Oh, my God, my security blanket's not there. And that's why he's an important piece. And then on the other side, you have another very strong defensive winger. Look, it's been a long offseason for Val Nichushkin. It's certainly been a long offseason for Avalanche fans and dealing with everything with Val Nichushkin. Season's about to start. The Avs and Nichushkin have clearly put whatever it is behind them at this point. How Whatever your viewpoint on it is. When it comes to the hockey on the ice, Nichushkin is ready to go this year. And what are we going to get out of him? Are we going to see the Val Nichushkin that's a defensive monster on a 60-plus point pace? Is he going to be there? Are some of those foot problems he had last year still lingering? Who is Val Nichushkin going to be in Colorado this season? My biggest question is the skating. Because we saw he was still a good player last year. Mm -hmm. But when he was battling the ankle injuries, that that burst, that that little extra with his speed was missing and he lost some of his offensive effectiveness. If that's there, all bets are off. You could tell me he's going to have a 70 point year. And I believe you because that's, that's the kind of situation that he is in right now with in terms of the talent of around him and his elite two way game. But his, if his skating is at the level we've previously seen, Watch out. Yeah, he he could be a monster this year. Um, obviously, he just needs to keep his head on straight. Yeah. You know, put the personal stuff behind him and uh, make good choices and go play hockey. He's really good when he does that. Nathan McKinnon described him as one of the best players on the ice in the 2022 Cup run. And a lot of things have happened between then just like even looking at the injury side of things so that is hard to come back from there's also not so much time removed from that point too and there's a reason he gets the big contract because of that 2022 cup run performance i don't expect his regular season to copy paste that one it's just unsustainable <laughs> but even his pace is projected last year in the games that he played you know obviously didn't play a full 82 because he was still dealing with some injury things 
was still high and yeah. comparable to what he had done in the 2022 cup run year. And so in seeing that, the production isn't a worry for me at all. It's just Vanichushkin showing up as the player that he has been before with the commitment that he's shown before because this is the player that was the last to leave the rink who is putting extra time in the weight room and he just needs to continue to be that player and lean on his teammates this year too and just continue to be what made Valnichushkin so good in that 2022 season. I, I think Bednar called him, what, a hunter before? You know, I mean, this guy just hunts pucks. And if AJ, you know, like AJ just said, if his ankle's holding up and the skating is there, look out. I wouldn't want to play against that guy. Like, I don't. I mean, he's just on top of you. And when I say that, I, I'm not saying that he's going to abuse you physically. What I'm saying is that you don't have time to do anything. He's on top of it. And he's stealing the puck from you, and then you look bad. So I think this is a guy, I, I agree with, with whatever it was, Ben, I called him a hunter. He is a hunter, and he's one of the best at it in the league if the ankle's holding up. And, and Lekkinen and Nachushkin together, especially if they're on different lines, because we've seen together they've been like, okay, not as much fun together as you would think, but on separate lines, that elite two-way element that the, both of those they guys both bring, bring yeah yeah really elevates your skill guys because they do so much of the dirty work at a high level that why are they on power play units it's not because they're so good at scoring goals it's because they're elite puck retrievers they go and they win if, if they're going into a, a loose puck is headed into the corner and they have two defensemen headed for it they're gonna win it lekin and into choose can come out often enough with that puck or move it to a teammate that there's an extreme value placed on that especially in a man advantage situation it's what those two guys do together one of them is going to be playing with ryan johansson that will help elevate his game if they're both playing i think right now like they're both like roughly slated to play with him at the start of the year the fun part about this forward course that you can mix and match yeah. between all of these lines yep. in any way that you want and there's intrigue all over and it you just see what works yeah uh, and and that's because Nichushkin and Lekkinen bring that well, really high-end defensive and, element. And to that's it. if maybe the skating isn't quite all the way there. Look, there's a certain level of production you need in the top six. You'd really like to see him hit at least 50 points. <laughs> yeah, making $6 million, he has but to. But if it's 50 points instead of 60, but he's bringing you selkie caliber wing defense, you're fine with that. Worth. Yeah. Worth. Okay, let's talk about... Who knows if he ends up on the top line for the whole season or whatever, but the younger of the Halifax homies hmm. in Jonathan Druin. One of the biggest question marks in the forward core this season, potentially one of the biggest upside swings for the Avalanche this season. I want to start here. Eric, give me your thoughts on Jonathan Druin in French. <laughs> in French? I don't know how to speak French. <laughs> Non, non, Jonathan Drouin va avoir une expérience incroyable avec Nathan McKinnon. What I just said is, I think it's a comfort level with Nathan McKinnon. It's a, it's a known uh, chemistry. Whether it's there or not, it doesn't matter. There's familiarity. He's coming into here. And if, if they end up playing together, great. And they might not, like you just said. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. But I think it is, like I said about Johansson, this is a silver platter for him to get his career back on track. He feels happy. The pressure of being a Quebecer in Quebec is tough, not just for Jonathan Druin, for anybody that went through it. Um, it is a tough experience. Now he comes here, it's a totally different mindset. It's an 850 deal, right? Mm -hmm. There is no pressure uh, on the avalanche or on the player except to just go out there, have fun again, smile. And again, if he does that, I don't think he's going to have two goals against, like you know, like <laughs> he did last year, right? Yeah. I don't think that's that's a low expectation this guy can be a way better player and he's been a way better player i think it's going to be up to him to see again like johansson to make sure that he plays avalanche style hockey to make sure he does the right things on the ice and it's not just about you know getting some points on the power play but to make sure that five on five he's up the snuff and he's up there to, to try to win a stanley cup like the rest of the fellas he's We've talked about it on other shows, but the freedom that he has in coming to Colorado has unchained him to a lot of the burdens that have been troubling before. And you see it in the creativity that he's leaning into. One, because he's being set up for success and being given opportunity to lean into the creativity. But 
even looking at the lineup that's going to, again, this isn't going to age well because we're recording this on the day that they're about to go play in Dallas. And so the power play units for this group heading over there looked different than what we're going to see at any point. Well, I shouldn't say that. But at, at most points Hopefully for the Avalanche this point. season, <laughs> it's some combination of Byram, Tatar, Druan, Johansson. And yeah. they're talking about the power play, and there's an excitement across the room going back and forth because Ryan Johansson had left the room, and they're talking about, oh, we need to go tell Joe. We need to go tell him this because we want to try this thing. And there's this excitement and collaboration that's happening, and you know that that's just one glimpse at what is probably going through his mind in being able to lean into the parts that his strengths as a hockey player, which is the vision and it is the creativity. And he's just being given this full freedom to express himself as a player in that way. And he's still growing though. Like you, you see the defense has to step up to match what the Colorado's expectation is from him, but he's meeting that expectation and he's putting in that extra work, especially alongside McKinnon. But as we've seen just in this preseason in moments where he's not tethered to Nathan McKinnon, you're still seeing the freedom yep. and the creativity, and that's where, that's why he's here. Uh, we've had two civil, realistic takes. <laughs> We're, is this the hype beast on this side? Is it about to be unleashed? When, when, I, think of, when, I, when I think of Jonathan Duran, I think of Shakespeare. <laughs> and where is this going? <laughs> the, reason, the reason for that is I think of what Jonathan Duran's career to this point has been is what it would have been like if Shakespeare worked at a newspaper. He had to <laughs> he had to write boring articles, straight up stuff, right? A talented guy, right? But he was confined by the by his surroundings. The environment caged the talent. Oh, I love it. And I think and and what I think we're going to see from Jonathan Duran this year is what we got out of Shakespeare. We're going to see a creative mind be brilliant. I think we're going to see of freedom we're going to see the talent uncaged we're going to see him outside of what he has done to this point in his nhl career i don't think he will jonathan duran i'm i'm thinking of this in like terms of like he's a 60 point guy so like i'm not talking about like oh he's going to be jonathan uberdo you know in florida but also if he was count me as one that would not be shocked if he has a 70 assist type of season if he ends up being able to have the kind of two-way game that justifies him staying next to a Miko Rantanen or a Nathan McKinnon or both <laughs> all season long. So I am, I, I can sure, calm, I'm the hype beast when it comes to Jonathan Duran. <laughs> it's fine. I, I think that we're going to see, we're going to see talent flourish because the talent is unleashed. He is in a situation where he is not burdened by the world around him for the first time in his NHL career. I don't know that Shakespeare ever worked for a newspaper. Uh, but I think what we're going to see is the, the, that kind of talent, that kind of creative freedom on display from Jonathan Duran. Because he, we, 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 we talk about stylistic fits, this, this and that. What Jonathan Duran does well play, will play extremely well in Colorado. You're gonna the write way, a few limericks this year, yeah, is that maybe? <laughs> I just I I just think that when you talk about fit and when you talk about a skill set finding a home, it there's makes a no lot of sense. there's yeah. no better situation than what we've we're going to see Jonathan Duran in Colorado this year. The play style, the freedom, the 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 lack of uh, expectation, and and now obviously I'm placing expectation there, but I mean he's not feeling the expectation from me. Sure. Whereas he would have felt it from the guy working the checkout counter in, in well, Montreal. And, and the Avs do have a history of this going all the way back to Eric Johnson, bringing in guys who yeah. have maybe been overvalued in other situations. Yeah. Because and of draft position, because of these things that happened with Eric Johnson, it happened with Val Nachushkin, it happened with Andre Burakovsky, yep. it happened with Nazem Kadri. We've seen it. Uh, high profile. Times, yeah. We've seen it on lower profile guys. We've seen it in high profile guys. And so that's why when I think of Jonathan Duran, it makes me think of Shakespeare. Plus, he's one of the nicest guys in the world. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that was true for Shakespeare. No, so I, I don't know that. Yeah. True. Well, I hope my wife is talking about me right now around town the way he's talking about drilling. There's a lot of passion there and everything. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, two guys that don't need a hype beast left here, yeah. starting with Miko Rantanen. 
Uh, just set the record for Av's goals in a season. Uh, what is the, I, I don't know what to say about Miko <laughs> Ranton and, and in a minute, Nathan McKinnon. All-world players. Guys that are likely on Hall of Fame tracks. And the expectation is they go out and do it again this year. Yeah, what is What do you think in terms of what Miko Rantanen could do in a season? What do you think is unreasonable? What's a bridge too far? 70 goals. Okay. So we're at 70 goals. <laughs> okay. Point-wise? Yeah, he, he could do 120 points. I, think he, I don't think he will, okay. but I think he could. So we're at 70 goals and 130 points is more than we're comfortable <laughs> saying is possible. What else do you need to say? Uh, that those numbers are even higher for Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> He's, I mean, <laughs> he's my favorite winger in the league, so has been for a few years. I love the big fella. What do they call him? The moose. I love the moose. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, sky's the limit. I don't think it's the space, like you said. Like, uh, <laughs> car. I agree. But I do believe that, wow, I mean, this guy can duplicate or do better than last year, absolutely. Moose are earthbound, so it definitely makes <laughs> a lot of sense that the sky is the limit here. But I, what I love about Mika Rantanen and last year, aside from the 105 points and 55 goals, is the maturity and yeah. growth as a player. You talk about the standard that's been set in Colorado and the guys at the top who have set it are Nathan McKinnon and Mika Rantanen, and they both wear that a little bit differently. And the way that Mika Rantanen <laughs> wore that last year was by being a really important leader and a more vocal leader, but also through his on-ice play and merging the physicality component, it, it got so much better in his game, I think, last year than I'd ever seen it before. I think that he was using his physicality in such an effective way and obviously not at the expense of his production, and it just made him one of the best wingers in the league for a reason. And two reasons why I think we might see a reduction in Miko's production this year. One, he's doing a lot of those little things well. And two, I've already been on record saying this, but I truly believe we are about to see a special season from Nathan McKinnon. I think he's about to do stuff that has never been done before in an Avs jersey. And yes, I know Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg played for this team. Can I just ask a Miko question real quick? Yeah, go for just, it. I'll ask the three of you this. When we look back on it, who has a better prime? Miko Rantanen or Timo Solani? Well, Timo did get over 70 goals. <laughs> But the one different time. era. Yeah. Uh, uh, hard to say right now because Miko's just starting to enter his prime. That's what I'm saying. But you, I think you could make an argument that it ends up being Miko. I'm a big Timu fan too. I am. I really like him. Best uh, finish player ever, yeah. Yeah. I mean, For absolutely. Now. No offense to Yari Curry. No, who's I, also I'm a amazing. big Yari Curry fan. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, Jerry, I love you. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do believe that. Miko ends up being ahead of him. But, wow, if that ends up being the case, hats off what an unbelievable career he's going to end up having. Great question. I don't have any skin in this game. <laughs> okay, I was just curious. just Because we look at Solani as, like, the untouchable Finn, right? Yeah. He yeah. was that guy. But I'm wondering, like, if Miko Rantanen's putting up 55 goals and 105 points, uh, if, he, if he comes even close to this for the next couple of years... He's starting to chase Timo. Genuinely crazy that for the rest of time, the conversation of who's the best 10th overall pick is now going to be Timo yeah. and Miko. Right. So that's just to illustrate the feelings about Miko Rantanen that we have uh, collectively. Plus, he's yeah. one of the nicest guys. <laughs> the, the one area of the emotional maturity I would like to see actually mature this year is just leave the refs alone, dude. Yeah. But, but, but leave, gonna, leave them be. But I'm going to plug in good old Jerry again, too, though. Good old Yari Curry. I mean, we. I mean, DB him if you want. Wow, what a player he was. Yeah, I mean, of course. Are you kidding me? This guy was amazing, and people don't realize that. Oh, he's playing with Gretzky, and you know he's scoring seventy and sixty a year, and all, one uh, eight years in a row, one year deals. Eight yep. years in a row, one year deals, and he was like, I don't care. Boom, next year seventy. See, money, you know? money is the motivator. And <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy was a, a, a great PK guy. People didn't realize that about him. Such an underrated player, you know. And again, love Timu, but love you. Okay, so those are the top two fans. Absolutely, and I think Miko ends up being on top of That's what I'm saying. Can Miko chase down with both of those guys? He is a special player, yes. We've basically given you a whole extra podcast today at this point. 
But huh. Nathan yeah. McKinnon, would anyone blink if he had a 130-point season? No. I mean, I might blink a lot because it would be amazing. Well, sure, but... But in that case, if he has 130 points, every time you blink, he's probably racking up another one. <laughs> yeah, point. right. I don't want to blink because then I'll miss a goal. <laughs> exactly. There, there goes five points. Here's what I, I think motivates him besides winning, you know, wanting to win. Stuff. Like, obviously, he's won it now. He's got that hunger. But I do believe somewhere, somehow in his mind there, people are talking about right now, like, oh, can McDavid get 160 points this year, right? I think Crosby said, oh, I think, he, I think he's like, hey, if this guy can't, I can and I, I, everything you do, I can do just as good or better. And I do believe that's his mentality. So I think it'll be interesting to see this year. But I do believe you're going to see, I agree, something special this year for him. Every waking moment of Nathan McKinnon's life, he's thinking about one thing, and that's winning. That is it. That is the one consistent thought that goes on in that kid's mind. And he's really good at winning. When you have that guy leading your offense, when you have Kale McCarr leading your defense, when you have all of these auxiliary pieces that we've given so much praise to over these videos, it's hard not to feel real good about this Colorado Avalanche team this year. I don't have anything else to add. We're going to wrap up this preseason video. This has covered all of the Avalanche players. We still have our division previews with our Horribly wrong predictions coming your way. <laughs> so uh, keep it tuned to the YouTube channel for that. Like and subscribe. That helps us out a ton. We are out of here and we will see you in the next video.